0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.
1: The county's case rate per 100,000 residents as of Wednesday is 94.2. And that's good news, folks. The number is below the metric of 100 cases per 100,000 people set by the state. It is the first time the case rate has been below 100 since the county was placed on the state's monitoring list on July 3rd. San Diego County would need to report a case rate of 100 or below for three days straight to get off the state's monitoring list, and a case rate of 100 or below for an additional 14 days before high schools and middle schools can open. And at the state level, Governor Gavin Newsom said yesterday that the decrease in COVID-19 hospitalization rates is a good sign.
2: This is what gives me some confidence we're moving in the right direction. Uh, We have COVID-19 hospitalization numbers that again have decreased 19% over the course of the last 14 days. The last four presentations that I've made, public presentations, you've seen similar decline.
1: A new COVID-19 testing site began operating yesterday at the San Isidro Port of Entry PED East Crossing. San Diego County health officials said the free testing site will operate from 6.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Monday through Friday and will focus on testing essential workers and American citizens who live in Tijuana. Dr. Wilma Wooten, the county's public health officer, explained yesterday why the county chose the location.
0: We know that individuals uh, in South Bay are hardest hit. And the location uh, was selected uh, for three reasons. Number one, again. Increased number of cases in that region so we are increasing testing access number two We know that individuals live in Baja, California and cross the border. So also individuals that are US citizens uh, Can be tested there and then third individuals that are essential workers that cross over into the US uh, That is an opportunity for them to be tested
1: A California tribe whose ancestral lands span across the U.S.-Mexico border is suing the Trump administration to block construction of a section of the border wall they say is desecrating sacred burial sites. The La Posta Ban of Diaguano Mission Indians filed the lawsuit in federal court in San Diego on Tuesday, asking for an injunction to temporarily halt the installation of a towering metal wall until the tribe can protect its religious and cultural heritage. Laposta is one of 12 bands of the Kumeyaay people. The tribe wants its members to be able to monitor the work and interrupt it to recover human remains and cultural items. From KPBS, I'm Kinsey Moreland, and you're listening to San Diego News Matters, a podcast powered by our reporters, producers, and editors. It's Thursday, August 12th. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Several cities in San Diego County are eligible for a new rental assistance program. But KPBS reporter Tanya Thorne tells us tenants need to act fast. The county's emergency rental assistance program is now available for some cities throughout San Diego County, including Poway, Lemon Grove, Imperial Beach, Del Mar, and Solana Beach. Tenants looking for rental assistance must submit their application online no later than Thursday at midnight. Qualifying residents may be eligible for up to $1,500 per month for two months. Households must be in the qualifying areas, meet income eligibility requirements, and have experienced a financial hardship related to COVID-19. For a full list of requirements and applications, visit sdhcd.org. Awards will be selected through a random lottery and expected to be distributed in early September. The pandemic has forced a timeout for many college sports. And at San Diego State University, that means football and other fall athletics will be postponed until the spring. KPBS education reporter Joe Hong explains the economic impact on the college and the community.
3: While the decision to cancel fall sports could cost SDSU up to $12 million, the impact on the region's economy will be minimal. Alan Jin is an economics professor at the University of San Diego. He said for sporting events, the economic boost usually comes from the fans of visiting teams. But even in normal times, that's not usually the case with the Mountain West Conference. To me, it's not a conference where a lot of fans travel with with, with their teams. And, And so I think there would be limited impact in terms of of any outside visitors. Uh, again, there could be some, some, some minor impact about the, the teams themselves, the outside teams themselves
2: staying and, and spending money in San Diego.
3: Meanwhile, economics is the last thing on the minds of student athletes who are devastated by the decision. Chloe Frisch is in her fourth year at SDSU. She said she'd consider extending her college career to have a proper final season.
2: I mean,
0: I've dedicated like my entire life to soccer. So the fact that it would be over and I, and I never got a chance to like play my last game. If I had that opportunity to come back for a fifth year,
1: then I would do that probably. If California lawmakers set aside climate concerns like sea level rise to only focus on the pandemic, the state could be setting itself up for an even worse economic hardship. That's according to a new report from the state's nonpartisan legislative analyst office. CAP Radio's Ezra David Romero explains.
0: With huge budget cuts because of COVID-19, Rachel Ayler says it's quite tempting to just think of the immediate concerns. The LAO analyst says sea level rise is forecast cost California as much as $10 billion in property damages in the next 30 years.
1: It does seem very far away. But yet, it has a lot more certainty than something like a wildfire, because we don't know when a wildfire will strike. We do have some certainty about sea level rise.
0: She says oceans are forecast to rise 7 feet by 2100, and 6 feet of rise would mean nearly two-thirds of Southern California beaches could be totally gone by the end of the century. That means that part of California's identity as a beach-loving coastal playground could be lost unless the world curbs its emissions or if California doesn't start preparing.
1: A number of military families have been left in limbo as they wait to move to new bases. The Navy imposed a stop movement this spring because of the pandemic. Now it's trying to restart travel, but not everybody is being allowed to move yet. KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh reports. Uh, this is our home for the moment.
3: Adaptability then, is part uh, of Navy life. For Kylie McFerrin center. and her family, that's meant <laughs> that living in an RV at a <laughs> campground in the Laguna Mountains. It's about an hour away from the ocean where her husband continues to work at Naval Base Coronado in San Diego County.
1: It has been difficult. There have been a lot of times where you have to tell yourself, <laughs> this is only temporary. <laughs> This is not forever. Um, You know, tomorrow's a new day.
3: The McFerrin sold their home when her husband received orders transferring him to Maryland. They were forced to move out in July, but by then, the Navy had put his move on hold. With two young kids and no place to live, their best option was to buy an RV and search for campgrounds.
1: Finding more permanent housing in an RV is a little challenging. A lot of places require a membership. Um, Some places um, are just booked because most people make these plans months and years in advance. And we are trying to do it last minute.
3: Her family is one of thousands caught up in the military's stop movement order, which went into effect in March. In July, the Pentagon began loosening restrictions. About 40 percent of the 230 U.S. military installations worldwide have reopened because they met requirements like having fewer COVID-19 cases for at least 14 days. Assistant Commander of Navy Personnel Captain Derek Trank says bases also needed to be operating closer to normal. There can't be a local travel restriction. Uh, they have to have essential services like childcare. But San Diego naval bases are still on the red list, though the Navy is making exceptions. We have a waiver process. We were able to uh, get sailors moved because they had a hardship or because they were essential to the mission of the new command. Waivers have helped dramatically clear the Navy's backlog. The Navy originally expected it would take until sometime next year to move the nearly 24,000 waiting families. Now it expects to have the rest of those families at their new bases by November. The number of cases of coronavirus in the military has plateaued in the last week or so, though coronavirus cases had been surging through July, even as the Navy was pushing to get more sailors moving. Trank says the Navy is convinced it's reopening safely. Because we are taking those steps to keep our people safe, uh, I believe it is allowing us to make these moves, whereas before, um, everybody stopped moving really was the right answer because we knew so little. Still, determining why one base is open to travel and another base is closed can be confusing for military families. Early in the pandemic, the Pentagon stopped listing COVID cases by base. In San Diego County, along with the Navy, the Marines' West Coast boot camp is still red flagged, but the Marines are free to transfer in and out of Camp Pendleton. Navy spouse Kelly Kopeck is finally on her way to the East Coast from San Diego. She spoke from the road.
1: Nobody seemed to really know what information to give us or what advice to give us or that type of thing. And it was a lot of hurry up and wait.
3: Just like the McFerrins, the Copex also brought an RV when they needed a place to live after they sold their house in San Diego. Now they are finally traveling cross-country to Virginia with their seven-month-old with the help of a Navy waiver.
1: Something that would be incredibly helpful and beneficial to a future pandemic or other extreme situation, maybe to allow for case management in this.
3: That would give families a point of contact, like when they have sailors deployed. The COPEX will be required to self-isolate for 14 days at their new base. The RV will make that easier, while other families wait for their turn to hit the road.
1: PBS military reporter Steve Walsh. This story, by the way, was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And coming up, more than 1,600 California households have been evicted since Governor Gavin Newsom declared a statewide state of emergency on March 4th. That's according to data Cal Matters obtained via public records request from more than 40 California sheriff's departments. That story after the break.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.
1: With many Californians losing their jobs in the pandemic, state leaders issued a moratorium on evicting tenants. But that order is not altogether clear. It's been enforced inconsistently in counties across the state, and some 1,600 Californians have been evicted since March as a result, including at least 99 households here in San Diego County. Matt Levin, data and housing reporter for the news site CalMatters, spoke to KPBS Midday Edition host Mark Sauer about the loophole in the state's eviction moratorium that has forced hundreds from their homes after shelter-in-place orders.
2: Well, many of us uh, following the news since COVID-19 hit believe renters who've lost jobs and income have been protected from being evicted, at least till now. But your, sh- your story shows that's not the case. Start with the moratorium. It reveals this directive is clear as mud.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a decent characterization. So what the state moratorium did, and there were kind of multiple moratoriums, some from the uh, Governor Newsom's administration and then some from the Judicial Council, Um, which is the governing body of the state court system. Um, And those essentially shut down um, eviction proceedings in cases where tenants could demonstrate a negative financial impact from from COVID, from the virus. Uh, But what wasn't addressed was all of these cases that actually had already gone through the court system and were simply waiting for sheriff's departments to decide whether to perform the eviction, to physically come and lock the tenants out. So um, we, uh, we issued public records requests for basically every sheriff's department in the state to get a handle on, okay, so just how many Californians were in that exact situation? Maybe they were late on a February payment or March rent payment, but the sheriff still came and kicked them out of their homes in the middle of a lethal pandemic.
2: Yeah, and that's where it uh, it does really get murky. Uh, explain how difficult it is to get clear and complete numbers on evictions across all California counties. San Diego's numbers are likely out of date, and uh, it can get confusing.
0: Yeah, that's that's right. So there, there really isn't any centralized data source for the the number of evictions that happen. Period. Um, even in pre-pandemic times, we submitted public records requests to to get that data. Um, Not all uh, sheriff's departments responded in time for us to publish the story. So that number, that 1600 household number is, you know, likely a significant underestimate of the number of people who had to leave their homes since Governor Newsom declared a state of emergency on March 4th. San Diego was one of the sheriff's departments that actually got back to us relatively quickly. Um, And it did show that they had performed a significant number of evictions since march 4th
2: and people are yelling at each other if it's uh, if they're upset
0: that's that's exactly right yeah so at least you know in most of the sheriff's departments we talked to deputies were equipped at least later on with ppe but in humboldt county up there in the north coast um, it was optional for sheriff's deputies to wear masks and so there was a a specific anecdote we have in the story where um, there was a tenant Um, a a couple who was being evicted, they had friends and family members helping them move, and the two sheriff's deputies showed up without masks. um, And it was a highly charged environment where people were yelling at each other. And you can, public health experts, that's a situation that they desperately want to avoid, right? A group of people, some of them screaming, um, and then physically being removed from the place where they're uh, instructed to shelter.
2: So sheriff's departments from one county to the next deal with evictions differently, even city to city within a county. The rules vary, right? That's it makes it very confusing all the way across the board.
0: That's right. And sheriff's departments aren't especially happy about that. So in the absence of kind of a clear state directive, it was up to individual sheriff's departments as to whether to pursue these evictions. And there were obviously public health concerns. Um for the counties writ large, but also for individual sheriff's deputies. So um, in Kings County in the Central Valley, um, the sheriff's department there, once Governor Newsom's shelter in place order came down, they said, you know what? We are not gonna do any more evictions, period, unless it's a case of domestic violence or some other threat to public health and safety. Other sheriff's departments had a different legal interpretation of what was coming down from the state, and they decided, you know what? We are going to go ahead with these evictions, even though that involves, you know, deputies going house to house on the same day often um, in sometimes highly charged um, emotional situations where it might be difficult to observe social distancing guidelines.
2: And you said the sheriff's departments aren't uh, keen on uh, the whole situation as it's gone along. What about advocates for both renters and landlords?
0: So advocates for renters are especially unhappy with this. Um, although they, they've they somewhat given up on trying to fix this specific loophole as their attention now turns to uh, preventing this eviction cliff for tenants that were financially impacted um, from COVID. But, you know, tenants groups had lobbied way back in March when the uh, when the virus first hit California to have Governor Newsom or Attorney General Becerra uh, instruct sheriff's departments just don't do any evictions whatsoever except in cases of um, public health and safety emergencies so i think from governor newsom's perspective as well as the attorney general javier becerra i I think there was some fear that if they did you know explicitly instruct sheriffs not to do lockouts that they would run into some uh, legal challenges in terms of overstepping their constitutional authority even in times of a public emergency. Um, As far as landlords, you know, landlords kind of rightly say, hey, look, you know, we don't want to add to any type of public health threat by evicting people. But if you're forcing us to keep these tenants in our homes, we are bearing the financial cost of that.
2: It seems like our homeless crisis figures to get even worse soon with all of this. Final question, is there any indication the moratorium will be extended or ended? Uh, Can we expect some clarity to emerge regarding late rent and evictions?
0: So we had some news from the Judicial Council actually yesterday. They are, um, they signaled that they are going to allow eviction court to resume Uh, starting September 1st. Earlier there were fears that they might lift the moratorium on eviction cases as early as this Friday. Uh, But state lawmakers and Governor Newsom lobbied uh, the Judicial Council and particularly the State Supreme Court Chief Justice to hold off on that. So what that means is that state lawmakers and Newsom have a, a few weeks here to iron out some type of legislative solution that will protect tenants from eviction and uh, compensate landlords in in some matter. The compensating landlords part is the difficult part because the state does not have money, right? We were facing a $54 billion deficit and the federal government hasn't come up with new money yet for states to use to combat COVID. So they're trying to figure out a way to deal with this in a very compressed timeframe. No deal has emerged yet. There's a couple proposals in the legislature but the details have yet to be worked out. So it'll be a very, very busy couple weeks here uh, for both uh, state lawmakers and Governor Newsom.
1: And that was Cal Matters reporter Matt Levin talking with KPBS Midday Editions Mark Sauer. KPBS reached out to the San Diego County Sheriff's Department to find out if it is continuing to carry out evictions. And a spokesperson said the department carried out 12 evictions in July, and they are currently looking at processing pre-COVID evictions. And that is the show for today. Thanks as always for spending time with us.